had some really different songs this morning, and I appreciate Belva choosing them because our topic this week is about evangelism, and so we heard people need the Lord, and so send I you. So thanks, Belva. I grew up in the golden age of television. Batman, The Addams Family, Bewitched. <laughs> I loved those shows, but... The ones that I loved best were the spy shows. There's I Spy, there's The Avengers. Do you remember Emma Peel and Mr. Steed? John Steed, right? And um, I Spy and The Man from Uncle. When I was nine years old, I wanted to be April Dancer. You probably don't know who that is. That's the girl from Uncle. She had long brown hair like I had, and so I cut the little sideburns that she had and had little spit curls just like April Dancer. Who knew I would grow up to have a mission? Hey, not a secret mission, <laughs> but I have a mission. We, we are talking about the purpose-driven life, and purpose number five is evangelism. We all have a mission. Rick Warren says, nothing else you do will ever matter as much as helping people establish an eternal relationship with God, and that's absolutely true. So, we now know that Jesus has secured our salvation, he's put us in his family, he's given us his spirit, and now he's made us his agents in the world. We all have a mission. John 3, 16 and 17, I think this will sound familiar to you. What? I have to turn this on. Hello? There we go, yay. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only son, oh, that goes slow, <laughs> his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the best news ever. God loves us, and he loves us so much that he sacrificed himself for us. He didn't do this in order to condemn us, even though we are sinful. He did this to save us. We can become alive in the spirit in a way that's unimaginable. And it is truly to be reborn into an entirely new life. By telling others this good news, you and I become agents, agents of God in this world. We're on a mission from God. Now that is not a TV show. That's the Blues Brothers movie. But we can agree with this idea in our heads without reservation, but I know, I know we all have reasons, excuses, whatever, to not do this, to not share our faith. We don't want to, quote, push our faith, push our beliefs on someone else. And I understand that. We want to be respectful of other people's beliefs. However, we do push our political beliefs on others. I see that on Facebook every single day. We're afraid to look like we're a little crazy, a religious nutcase, but we're ready to tell people about our new gadgets. <laughs> I just got this clicker. That's why I didn't know how to use it. We're, oh, we're going the newest miracle vitamin that will cure cancer and depression and dandruff. We're happy to tell our friends about those things. We don't want to look stupid if we don't have the answers to people's questions. And this is the one I identify with most. I hate looking stupid. But if we tell people about our own experience with Christ, can they really argue with that? That's not for them to say. It's your experience with Jesus. I'm not saying that these things are not real issues, but in the face of the alternative of not helping people come to Christ, isn't it better that we go ahead and make fools out of ourselves? 
God has never made a person that he didn't love. He loves all of us. He loves even the people you can't stand. Everybody matters to him. If you love God, those people should matter deeply to you too. So, how can you fulfill your not-so-secret mission to expand God's kingdom in the world? First, you can start to fulfill your mission by being open, by expecting God to work through you. God wants to say something through you. Therefore, my dear friends, Paul says in Philippians, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Living in the expectation that God will use you means not closing yourself off from other people. Now, personally, I'm not all that fond of strangers. I love all of you. You're my family. But get me on an airplane sitting next to a stranger, and I'm likely to put in the earphones and hide in my book or whatever. I'm not that good at that. Some of you here may remember Annette Pell. I know that Carla and Johan do. She had no fear of strangers. She would get next to you on the bus, and she would say, first thing, do you know Jesus? I admired that. That kind of evangelism probably isn't your jam, but if it is, you go. I loved Annette's enthusiasm and her openness to being used. Let me offer another scenario, though, that might strike a little closer to home. What about being used by God when a non-believing friend hits a rough patch? What about caring about them and not abandoning them, even if they lash out at you? Which can happen. What if you're asked to be not just inconvenienced, but taken advantage of? What if there's a possibility you might need to change your own plans, or go out of your way, or even be hurt? Can you remember that this may be a time that God could use you to fulfill his purpose? To bring someone he loves into his kingdom? Being open to being used means being aware of what God's spirit is telling you. In our gospel reading today, Jesus said, there it is, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. If you are born of the Spirit, you won't try to control the Spirit of God any more than you'd try to control the wind. Wind and Spirit, same word in Greek. You will move with the Spirit wherever he directs. And there's a great story about this in the book of Acts. It's um, Philip, Philip the Apostle. He gets told by an angel to go to the road going south from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go get on that road. And so he goes because the Spirit told him to. He gets on the road and he sees a chariot. And the Spirit says to him, run and catch up to that chariot. So he runs and catches up to the chariot. And he hears the man inside the chariot reading from the book of Isaiah. And Philip says, do you know what that means? And the guy says, no, how can I know what it means unless somebody explains it to me? So the man, he was from Ethiopia, he was a eunuch, and he was in charge of all the treasury of Ethiopia, so he was pretty important, invited Philip up into the chariot, and Philip explained that in Isaiah, the passage he was reading was about Jesus. And the the eunuch was so excited to hear about Jesus that he said at the next place, there's water here. Can I be baptized? 
And Philip said, sure, if you believe with your whole heart, you can be baptized. And that at the end of that story, it, it says, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until, until he reached Caesarea. Philip followed the wind of the Spirit wherever it blew him. I want to challenge you to be open to God's Spirit. Look for ways that he might work through you. We also fulfill our mission when we pray for opportunities to witness and for the courage to speak up. Paul in Ephesians says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I get a little encouraged by this that even Paul had a little bit of fear. He was pretty much a super Christian, right? But he was also in jail, and he knew he could lose his life for preaching the gospel. That's not going to happen to us unless our circumstances change pretty dramatically. So we don't need a Paul-sized dose of courage, but let's pray. Let's pray for the courage to speak. I know people who care deeply about loved ones who don't know Jesus, and they pray diligently for them. And that's great. You should. But also, pray for yourself that you might be the answer to your own prayer. Pray for opportunities to talk to them. Pray that they'll come up with a question that only you can answer because of your, your position with Jesus. I would say that we don't want to have a monologue with those people that we're praying for. We want to have a dialogue. So feel free to ask questions on your own. Not the hokey questions like, if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Because everybody's heard that one. <laughs> but there are questions like, who do you think Jesus is? Have you experienced a miracle in your life? Do you believe in the supernatural? It's open-ended stuff that you can discuss and you can give your opinions if you're asking for theirs. If Jesus is at the forefront of your life and your thoughts, you will eagerly look for openings to talk about him. You can even say something like, I have had the most amazing experience of God working in my life. Can I tell you about it? If you're enthusiastic, who's going to say no? If you're in a continual posture of prayer, conversation with God, you can pray whenever you begin speaking to anyone. Ask God, what does this person need? How can I help them? There's nothing wrong with having that prayer list, but do pray for yourself as well, how you can be the answer to your own prayer. We also can begin to fulfill our mission from God by preparing Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is, you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Um, and Rick Warren gives us a lot of detail on preparation. Did you read this chapter in the book? He talks about writing everything down and, oh my goodness, all the stories. I confess, I'm a writer. I have not written down all that stuff. But I do have stories. I have several examples of how I've seen God work in my life. And I love telling those stories. And you've probably heard some of them if you're a friend of mine. 
because I enjoy telling them, people seem to enjoy hearing them. Ross and I used to have a saying when we'd go on vacation that would help us keep problems in perspective. We would say the most dramatic problems make the best stories. And it's true. We discovered this on a vacation in Italy. Ask me about it later. I'd love to tell you. <laughs> in the same way, I have found that the worst situations of my life, even my very worst mistakes, can be redeemed by God and turned into something more beautiful than I ever could have asked for. I have had appalling failures, dreadful mistakes. I have had some long periods of hopelessness. I've had many, many deep regrets. I've had loss. I continue to struggle with what feels like intractable sin, but God has used every one of these horrors in some incredible way to show me his plan for using me in this world. I find that miraculous, and I can't help talking about it given the slightest opening. Given that, I probably would have made a terrible secret agent. <laughs> I would have spilled the beans. Each one of us is on a mission from God. Each one of us has friends and family who are waiting to hear why they need Jesus. And they're wondering why you love Jesus quite so much as you do. So explain it to them. Let's all get going with our mission by being open to God's leading, by praying for the opportunity, and by preparing so that we can give an answer to everyone who asks us about our hope in Christ. Amen.